Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, as we are about to get into your word, oh Jesus, we pray that your will and purpose is going to be enlightened in our souls, in our spirits, and in our minds, that we will be able to live out our lives full of your glory, knowledge, and faith in your will and purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. For those of us who are ardent, or rather love reading the Bible, you will understand clearly that from Genesis, most of the things that happen in Genesis in the beginning are indeed times of enlightenment. And most preachers argue about us, starting from verse 3 when they say, and he said, let there be light. Most will say that this was not just a natural light that we talk about. They say it's not a light that we always see. It could have been enlightenment. When he talks about let there be light, it wasn't the same light that we talk about. It's most probably the light of an enlightenment where we get to understand things. Let there be light. But I don't want to focus on that much. I want to talk about how God does not waste experiences. And from Genesis chapter number 1 verse 3 and verse 26, what you notice in Genesis chapter number 1 verse 3, one of the things you'll understand is that God talks about the vision, his vision for man. He talks about what he's expecting the man to do as he's about to bring him into the world. And it starts with the making of the man. Verse 26 says, let us, therefore let us create man in our own image. He talks about a thought. He brings it as a thought first. Before we go into formation where he brings, he, he, he takes all the mud, the dust, and forms it to become a man, it first starts as a thought before it becomes actualized. And one of the things you'll notice as you read through the scriptures is that the first thing that God touched on earth was man. Everything else, he spoke it out. He would speak it out into formation. He would say, let there be, let there be, let there be. But when it comes to man, he had to do something with his own hands. He created it and he touched it and he spoke his likeness. He spoke his strength. He spoke his power into the man. He moves in the second phase of creation by introducing the duties and the roles of man on earth. He tells the man, says what is supposed to in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 to 31, he talks about his creation, whereby he makes us become and enlighten us to know exactly what he intends for us to do and to be. So we become his creation. Why do we become his creation? The argument was, why do we become his creation? We become his creation so that we can shape, so that we can create, so that we can qualify, so that we can choose, and that right there is a big word, so that we can choose and so that we can dispatch. I repeat that again. We become his creation so that we can shape, we can create, we can qualify, we can choose, and we can dispatch. 
Again, God speaks into existence from verse 27 to 31 of chapter 1. He speaks into existence the path in which the man is to live in. He speaks into existence the path that man is expected to live in. And finally, in chapter 2, verse 1 to 7, he winds up by forming the man to function. In other words, the man becomes a complete creation whereby he's formed to, fa to fashion. He's, he has the breath of life, which is to kindle divine inspiration and intellect. He becomes a living being whereby he's alive. And so he becomes a soul. He becomes life. He becomes a person. He, he has emotions. He has desire. He has appetite. And he has passions. These are things that God wires the man to function in. And so by the time we come into learning what Paul is talking to us in the book of Philippians, the history of Philippines is that, sorry guys, I'm taking you through this, but I'll get there. Uh, when we come to the Philippines, we notice that Paul is writing this book. We do not know. It is said that he was incarcerated somewhere, but he speaks these words with a lot of boldness because there is a lot that is going on in regards to salvation. There is the ministry of grace which is preaching that most of the Jews are against it because they believe that you must be circumcised for you to become a child of God. Amen. And so it becomes quite very tricky for him to preach about this. But one thing that made sense to me about the book of Philippians is that the optimism that Paul is talking about, the optimism of going through circumstances for the right reasons, the optimism and the boldness he talks about Christ is very interesting because chapter 1 and chapter 2, he talks about suffering for Christ, going through stuff for the will of God, going through dimensions for the things of God. And my question will be for each and every one of us, why are we going through? Why are you going through what you're going through? Why are you about to go through something that you won't even understand? Why do we have to face? Somebody asked the question, why do good people encounter bad things? And the answer was, do we even have good people in the world? Before we answer why, we go through this. Jesus started by refusing that aspect. Do we, why do you call me good? I don't even qualify to be called a good person. I am not. Jesus said it. And so Paul is telling us that most times things that we will go through, most of them, chances are some of them will be as a result of our choices. Whether you choose the right thing or the wrong thing, there will be circumstances that will come with that choice that we make. Paul decides that the path has been set out for me to go through. The path that I should go through is a path. I mean, if I, were, if, if I had a chance to talk to God about my assignment, I would say a lot to God. If any of us would be asked by God, what assignment do you want? I mean, I want to be, I think I want to be cooking at KFC. <laughs> I think that would be a good assignment for me and people will just, you know, 
Why not? Why not? Why not? Somebody else will say, I, I think I would love this kind of assignment. But do we ever get to choose the assignments that God gives us? We don't get to choose the assignments. God chooses the assignment for each and every one of us. And for Paul, the assignment was, dude, you are going to suffer for my work. You read the book of Acts, you will see that Ananias, before he came to unleash this guy, he's telling him, go and anoint him because I have chosen him to suffer for my will. Did Paul even understand that he's being called to suffer for the will of God? He didn't know. But as he's going through the time, he's learning, oh God, by the way, for me to live is Christ, and for me to die is great gain. He says that boldly when some of us, we are still fighting our way into living. When another guy is saying, for me to live is Christ and to die is great gain. Great gain to die. He tells us that we will never get a chance to choose our assignments. Because our assignments will determine the experiences that we get in life. Two, the choices that we make in the path that has been set by God for us will require consequences. God, in his sovereign will, he will never waste any experience that we go through. And this is a disclaimer, friends, that sometimes even God has a way of making or working our choices into his will. Most times we will make the wrong choices but most times is that he will use those wrong choices to build us to become who he intended us to become. My question to you is, do you know the next choice that you are about to make? Even the, in the dimensions that you are being called into, into the assignments that you are called to live in, are you making the right choices? By now, when we read from Genesis and understanding about Paul, we know that it's very evident that every person born into this world, there's got to be a purpose and assignment. And these choices and this assignment, whether you like it or not, in fact, in fact, it's either if you're not growing, this, this I say, this is for me, if you're not growing in responsibilities, if you're growing in years and you're not growing in responsibilities, there's a huge problem about you. Please don't give me a silent treatment. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord, church. <laughs> Amen. And so Paul helps us understand that if we are growing in years and we are not growing in responsibilities, then there is an issue with our lives. I am mentoring some of two ladies. Yes, two ladies. And, and there are many men and ladies. But in that group, there are two ladies. And they asked me, Pasi, is it a must for me to get married? And my answer to them was, it is not a must. It is not a must for you. It's not a prerequisite for you to get into heaven. It's, it's not a must. But one of the things that I will tell you is, as long as Genesis 2.18 exists, your soul will never stop longing to be in company of marriage. God is not a fool when he says it is not good for a man to be alone. So he puts it in our souls in that aspect and he wants you to, you know, get to experience that beauty of marriage. And so I told them it's not a must, it's not a must, and it's not a must. But then again, 
my question to them was, why do you feel like you don't want to get married? And their reasons were not very good reasons. And I told them, I think it's because of your experiences that you feel like you do not want to get married. Maybe you need to start adjusting your choices. You need to start understanding why you do what you do and how you do it and when you should do it. And I told them it's, it's one thing. So I talked to the men and I, we had this men, we always have a men's, men's meeting every now and then. And when we talked about this issue of marriage, you know, it, it's funny when you get to get asked a lot of questions about marriage and you yourself, you are switching rings from here to here, from one end to the other, because you're trusting God for a lot of things. Amen. Hallelujah. And it is so happened you get to be asked this kind of questions. And I answered the dudes and told them, guys, there is always an aspect of you growing. There is always an aspect of you making a choice of growth. There is an aspect of you making that deliberate choice. It is possible for you to be a man in age but a boy in responsibilities. That's how, that's how the meeting ended. <laughs> that's how the meeting ended. And so we go further to understand that Paul, as he's moving on in life, as he's moving on in dimensions, he is understanding that I do not have control of what's happening in my life, but I have control on the choices that I make in the path that God has put up for me. And God is in the business of using your choices. Business of using your choices so that he can make out an experience out of the choices that you make. These choices that you make work out an experience. These experiences, they become a testimony. One of the things you will ask yourself, why is it that the older people in the book of uh, Genesis all the way to Malachi most of these people who are leaders, they used to walk around with staff. Moses had a staff, isn't it? You remember? The reason in, in the Jews they mention, their lives was that if you are working as a leader, you needed to have a staff. The reason for that staff is that anytime you get an experience with God, you will write that experience on that staff. Amen. That staff, you'll have to write what happened. What did God tell you? What did God do? So all the experiences that you have with God, you write them on the staff. By the time you're handing over that stuff to somebody else, they'll start by learning the experiences that you had with God. Praise the name of the Lord. It becomes an experience. So right now, by the time you are coming of age and living, that duty to your children or to somebody's coming after you you will need to have an experience, but we will never have an experience unless we make choices. And these choices come along with us first knowing what has God called us into. Has God called you to be a mother? Yes. Has God called you to be a dad? Yes. Has God called you to be a minister of the gospel? Yes. Has God called you to be this and that and this and that and this and that? Whatever thing that God has called you into, choices make a huge part of it. Does it mean you won't be anxious? Yes, you will be at some point. You will be at some point desperate, wondering, is God still with me? God, are you still with me through this? 
God, are you still taking care of me? You will wonder because there will be seasons. And one of the things that I always tell people about seasons is that seasons are vehicles for us to understand God. They are vehicles to help us move into the next dimensions of our life, but with an experience. With an experience. The goal is to have an experience because God will never leave himself irrelevant. He needs to walk with you. He wants to walk with you so that he can leave relevance on this earth for the next Christian who is coming on this earth. My prayer to all of us, my prayer is that the optimism that Paul has when he's incarcerated and talking about suffering for Christ, suffering for this mission, we will have the same optimism when we are doing what we were called to do on this earth. Amen. Most of the times that I learned through time in my few years in this world, I have come to understand that even as we make our choices, there are people who are concerned, concerned most, about, most about their position in life. There are those who are concerned about where they are in life. And there are those who are concerned with where they are going in life. All these you can sum it up in my own words. I sum it up to a place of understanding that there are those who are, have the mentality of kings. There are those who have the mentality of slaves. And there are those who have mentality uh, of servants. But kings and servants, we notice from the Bible that most times they have a very close connection. Because a king is always a servant. And a servant is always a king. They are all defined by that servitude that is in them. But I always find out that people who are slaves, people who are slaves, in their minds, in their hearts, in their soul, the problem is what Paul tells us even in servitude, we notice all through that from Paul's words and writings that slaves are people, I think, I think in my own words, they are people who are Willing to work too hard, but lazy to think. My own words. Willing to work extra, extremely so hard, but are too lazy in thinking. Paul gets to experience through time and time again that I am incarcerated, but I must keep on doing what I was called to do. I go through a problem, but I need to understand what's God's voice in all this. What is God's heart for my experience? What is God's heart for where I am going? Where is God's heart in whatever I am called to do? Friends, I want to encourage us that whenever we go through whatever we go through in life, even as we make our choices, every choice we encounter or we have to make will always have a battle entangled within it. There is a challenge within it. Any choices that we make. You make a choice to be a mother, a wife, a husband, a child, whatever it is, a son, there will always be a challenge that brings you into it. Every life that we have in this world, it always has something to offer. It will always have something to offer because we are feeding 
from a reservoir. Every time we deliver to the world, every time we bring anything into this world, most times, it's either we are feeding from God or we are feeding from elsewhere. I notice that for you to be able to serve the world and to serve anywhere in this world or to serve people, wherever you are serving, what I notice is that you need to have a reservoir whereby you are feeding from a huge tray but you are serving with a small tray. This means that it will always take you enough time to prepare for seasons and to prepare for opportunity. Paul teaches us that because you don't, you don't want things too soon that your character cannot handle. And I think Paul is one of those people that teaches us that experiences and character are always work hand in hand experiences. I told somebody, I think it was my sister, and he told me, I have these friends, they have been messing me up, I lend them money, they don't give me back, I do this, I do that, and I, I told her, I think one of the problems that you have is that you're asking for more friends than your discipline can handle. You're asking for a lot of friends and your discipline cannot handle it. Because again, when it comes to making such choices with friends, there needs to be also discipline and understanding better what you are about to make as a choice. Notice that my sermonette, short sermonette today, has been much on making decisions and much about experiences that God does not waste any experience that we make in our lives. We listen to the voice of intuition every time we make choices. Anytime we are looking for experiences and things that are happening in our lives, do we always listen to the voice of intuition? Does our lives sing the song of destiny? Does your life sing the song of destiny every time you are about to make a choice? Do you either let yourself be manipulated by the opinion of others and let others decide your worth? You need and or we need to be careful when we are making choices in life when it comes to destiny and purpose destiny and purpose and in completion of my short sabonet today is that when we make choices most of the time is that we cannot ignore the issue of sin we cannot ignore the issue of sin it is something that is there with us. Remember we were in class the other day and somebody asked this question. If Jesus conquered sin, why is it still effective? Why is it still here with us? And he died for it on the cross. And I lifted my hands in the class and I said, I would love to attempt the answer. And I said, you know what? When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't deal with the issue of sins. He dealt with the issue of sin. That means he conquered the power. And also he opened a door. Because that was redemption. When he died on the cross, that was a redemption for us. So it was an invitation for us.
to live in it and to accept it so that that power that he conquered through can start operating in us. We cannot evade sin because it will always be with us. But it is what God expects of us, the God's expectation of us, that we be able to conquer it even as it comes. As you are making choices, do not forget the aspect that sin will always try to cripple the enjoyment of salvation in life. Amen. Let's not sacrifice our vision. Let us not sacrifice our vision through impatience. Let us not, let us not cease from being anchored in the truth. Let us remain anchored in the truth even as we work towards becoming what God called us to be. So that our experiences can become expectations to those who are looking out for us, who are waiting on us to give them experiences. But as I finish up, is that the true proof of desire is not just pursuit. The true proof of desire is not just pursuit, but it is sacrificial pursuit. Sacrificial pursuit. Sacrificial pursuit is the true proof of desire. If he doesn't have sacrifice into it, I think it's just hot emotions. They're just hot emotions. But if they sacrifice to it, then that's the true proof of a desire to glorify God, to live for his will, and to honor him in all that we purpose to do on this earth. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at Trubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.